Hello and thank you for joining us on It Is Written Canada. There is a popular legend of two wolves. I'm sure you've heard it. It goes like this. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, sorrow, regret, greed, self-pity, guilt and resentment. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, humility, kindness, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every person too, the old man warned his grandson. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. As a Christian, I can see the conflict and struggle between the two natures, the old and the new nature, or the conflict between the spirit and the flesh. And how do we feed the spirit? Jesus answered this question very clearly when he said, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The prophet Jeremiah also told us how to feed the spirit when he announced, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Our special guest on It Is Written Canada today is Ian McPherson, a young man who was once part of a gang involved in a life of pain, anger, resentment and addiction. In a moment, you will meet Ian and hear his story of how he is now daily deciding to feed the spirit and starve the flesh. Welcome again to It Is Written Canada. We are in Calgary, Alberta, and we're visiting with Ian McPherson. I first heard about Ian from his two younger brothers, Caleb and Jacob, when I was teaching Bible class at Fountain View Academy in British Columbia. And they would constantly say to me, every time there was a prayer request, they would raise their hands and say, Mrs. Lemon, you have to pray. We have to pray for my, my older brother, Ian. And then eventually it was, we have to pray for Ian and his little daughter. And so that we prayed for Ian and for his daughter every single time. And so, Ian, we're here now and I finally get to meet you. And see how God has answered all those prayers that we were praying for you in our Bible 10 class. So welcome here to It Is Written today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's a, it's a blessing and an honor to be here. And I thank you. 
Yeah, and I remember Renee mentioning to me how how her your brothers were praying for you, and we were all praying for you. So, and I know that from your story that you had gotten involved in uh, going down a very dark path with gangs. Um, but before we go there, it wasn't always like that in your life. Um, you did have some good early years. You want to take us back to that? Sure. So I was born in Red Deer, 1991. Um, my dad and my mom, they were together um, for the first three, four years of my life. Um, they had their problems, stuff like that. They ended up splitting up when I was about four, five, I think. And um, my dad wasn't living a Christian lifestyle at that point until he left my mom. That's why they split, because my dad decided to go back to the church. Um, doing that, he ended up meeting my stepmom, Julie. Um, being a young fellow that I was, I became very hurt, anger, upset. Um, my youth, growing up, I was, I was a bad kid. I would, I would torture my parents. Um, I was, had a lot of pain, so I figured if I put enough pain, maybe my stepmom will leave and I can get my life back. And um, so that's kind of what I did. And it didn't, it didn't work out the best for me as I got older. I got, I got smarter. I started doing things that were way worse than before. Um, my words were weapons. Everything I did was to hurt and to drive my stepmom away so that I could have my family back. So did you end up staying at home with your stepmom and your dad? No. Um, at 13 years old, I ended up going to a foster home. Um, I needed to go to the foster home because my parents couldn't afford to pay for the psychology, for the counseling, for whatever I needed um, at that point because I would outsmart the counselors. They left me there. Um, I started uh, I started using drugs, gang stuff. Um, it was just it was just hard um, growing up having all that pain in in the heart, in the soul, resentment. You wanted I wanted to take it out on the world. I wanted to be the the worst of the worst. My nickname was Fez. I grew up in a foster home with all all white guys. I was the native guy. Fez is from the '70s show. He's Mexican, but uh, nonetheless, that was my name. Teachers, everybody called me Fez. So that was my name. It gave me a sense of belonging, um, especially when I started joining gangs, things like that. Um, it gave me a sense of family that I thought they had left me behind. I thought God had left me behind. I thought everyone had left me behind, but they were praying for me. And <laughs> I'm glad because it saved my life. So Ian, what was foster care like for you? Foster care, it was, it was a mixture of wanting to feel safe and not wanting to be there at all. It was okay. I mean, in the house, um, the foster brothers and me, we formed a special bond. That was our way of coping with what was going on. So we became an unbreakable force, all of us. Even though we knew this was all happening, we didn't want to say anything about it. We just lived our lives um, the best we could with what was going on. Um, he would use, um, drugs and alcohol, money. Um, he did anything he could to manipulate us into getting what he wanted. So with these things going on, he hurt us and he hurt me and he hurt them. 
and he just did it for his own his own sake, right? Um, and during that time in my life, uh, I was in a gang lifestyle. You don't you don't talk. You don't say nothing, right? So when the cops came to ask me, hey, is he doing anything to you? I lied. When the news people came, I lied again, protecting him because that was my mindset. It was hardwired into me. You don't, you don't say anything out there. You don't show emotions. You don't do anything like that. It's a, it's a dark world. You're not allowed to feel happy because that's weakness. You're not allowed to feel sad. You're not, you're not allowed to be scared. Just, the moment you show fear, they'll jump on you and they'll take everything you have. So who is this person who was doing and what, what was happening? Did, was, were they charged? Yeah, Gary was, uh, he was sentenced to, I believe, 10 years in uh, prison. Um, he served eight and he's out now. Just recently got out. But uh, the Foster brothers, like I said, we came together. We were a group like this. And I'm like, has anything happened to you guys? I'm like, I'm not, trying to be weird about this, I just want to know. And they said yes, so we decided let's take it to the police. The house was for troubled teen boys. And he played on that because it's where nobody else wants them. No group home, no other foster home wants them because they're troubled teen boys that no one's given a shot. And he used that for himself selfishly, which caused a lot of anger and pain that I wanted to project to the world. Because if I have to feel it, why, why should other people not feel it? That was my logic. Mm -hmm. uh, like my pain is your pain. Everyone needs to feel it with me. And uh, that's, that's where it brought me to. That, that pain built on with what had happened as a kid with my mom and dad. It seemed like the pain wasn't going to stop. And the only way I could get it to stop was to drink, to do drugs, to go hurt other people to go to jail as a vacation away from him because uh, you want to escape. You want to escape that. So you'd rather be in jail than with this pedophile who was abusing you boys? Yeah. And that was the story for a lot of us. And unfortunately, um, a couple of my foster brothers have overdosed and passed away because, uh, because they didn't find God like I did. They didn't have the chance that I had. So Ian, can you tell us what life was like being part of a gang and being on the streets? And also, do you have any regrets about that time? Sure. My life on the streets was basically one thing, survive. Um, living out there, um, I started my first gang tour, you could call it, when I was 13, 14. So I just joined up with a gang called DT here in Calgary. Um, I, we did everything from stealing cars, jumping people, robbing people, extorting women, selling drugs. We did it all. So I was good at doing that and I got better and better at it. People in bigger gangs started noticing me and taking a liking to me and starting to try and pull me into bigger gangs. It's, it's not the gang life, they're like, yes, we're bros, we're stuck together, we're for life, everything like that. But when it really comes down to it, it's not. You're alone. There's no one there but the devil. And bringing good people into bad situations. I thought that's what, I thought that's what it meant to be a good gangster, a good 
thug, something that's, I don't know, all that in a bag of chips out on the street, right? Because on the street, when you're a thug, you're a gangster, you're crazy, people know your name, you're respected and left alone. It's a survival tactic. The worse you are, the better off you, you'll be. Um, so when you look back on that, do you have any regrets about any of that behavior or activity you were involved in? Yes, I do. I, I regret the people I hurt, the people that I brought down to my level so I didn't have to feel alone. I regret not finding God sooner. And I regret not being able to share God with the friends and family that I've lost. All my friends, they started dropping like flies and I regret that I wasn't able to help them in any way. I wasn't able to help myself. I've lost so much material things, people, relationships. I almost lost myself. I almost lost myself, my life, everything. And while you were going through that, how did you deal with the pain? I, I would fill my God-shaped hole with drugs and alcohol. It's what I thought I needed to do. I needed to drink my pain away. But as soon as I drink, where's the drugs? I still feel pain, I need more. I need more, I need more. And it didn't matter how much drugs and alcohol and nasty things I did to people, it didn't take the pain out of my heart. It distracted me temporarily, so I thought it was gone, but it was never gone. It was always in there, eating away at me, festering. So, Ian, did you ever find a way out? I was trying to escape the problem that was in my heart rather than, you know, dealing with it. I was running around, running here and there. <laughs> I thought maybe because I tried fighting, that didn't work out, maybe I should try running. And <laughs> I went from city to city, same problems, same people, it seemed like. I would find the same people, same problems. <laughs> and I just got sick of it. I got tired of it. I just couldn't do it anymore. So uh, I got to a point where I just said, you know what, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. If I can't fight, if I can't flight, what is there to do? And uh, the only logical thing in that moment was for me to off myself. So I'm standing there on the edge, a tenth story of this building in Edmonton on my auntie's balcony and I was gonna jump off. I remember holding the top balcony while it was the roof of the building, that's all that was left, it was the top floor. I remember feeling like this kind of peace where I just wanted to just go, but at the same time I heard a voice said, Ian, look in your pocket. I'm like, okay, so I look in my pocket and it's a little piece of paper for a suicide prevention line. And I have no idea where it came from, but it was there. I called them, they came and got me and talked me down, brought me to the hospital. And that's, that's when I knew. I knew that there was, there was more to life and that God was looking out for me. Child of weakness, watch and pray. 
Did you ever feel like you had gone too far? Yes. There's been times where, you know, I've, I've hurt people. Um, I've attacked them with, with weapons, batons, mace, tasers, stuff like that, and people have done it to me. It's, it's part of it, and that kind of stuff, it, it, you have to live with it for the rest of your days. You have to live with the, with the regret and the pain and the shame of hurting people for what? For what? And uh, there are times where I took it too far. And there was a time I almost got charged with attempted murder because I had hit somebody so hard. And honestly, I, I should have been. I should have been punished for that. Things like that. You shouldn't do that to people. That's not the way God created us. He created us to love, not to hate, not to hurt. And that's all that's out there. And it's discouraging in that world, because that's all you see day in, day out. How am I going to survive today in this darkness, this hate, this pool of anger and evil? And so after that evening when um, your life was saved from suicide, God came close to you. Did he come close to you again? Yes, he did. Um, there was another time. This is after I had been sober for about a year. Um, because drugs and alcohol had been taken off the table, 
I s still had issues inside my heart, inside my mind that I hadn't dealt with. So I figured suicide would be the best way to get rid of it. Drugs and alcohol, I can't escape anymore. This is the only escape for me. So I was sitting in my living room with a, a shotgun in my mouth and I was about to pull the trigger. And I feel this glow come into the room like, it's kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It was like an orangey glow. And then the most peaceful, calming, relaxing voice just says to me, Ian, this, this isn't the end. Your plans, there's so many more plans for you. Don't do this. And it just felt like, it's giving me goosebumps because it was so calming. But I was scared because I've never heard that before. But I felt so, I, I can't describe it. I've never felt a feeling like that before in my life. And since that moment, it's lit something inside of me, something that hasn't been extinguished no matter what bad things have happened. And there has been a lot, but God has, has saved me. God saved me that day. It was something I can, I can never put into words. It's something that I just wish everyone could feel. I want everyone to feel that feeling. It, was, it saved me. God saved me. Ian, in your addictions, you were that child of weakness and God was there for you and, he, and Jesus is still there for you, washing you white as snow. I want to ask you, how was God there for you? Give us some details of that. Well, the first one was when he, he saved me from, from the, the suicides. Um, and then, you know, when I was in detox, um, there was all the signs were there. I'm in detox. Okay, you, you can stay an extra few days, whereas anybody else, no. Ian, we got you a door-to-door -door ride from Detox to Grace House in Drumheller so you can go to treatment. Things just started falling into place and I knew that it was God guiding me the whole way. It gave me so much hope and excitement. I knew I was on the right path. And today, I'm sober, still sober. I'm in contact with my parents. I'm in contact with my daughter again. I have a job, full-time job. I have a place to live. I have food in the fridge. Everything is the way it should be because God has saved me again. So Ian, can you tell us what your relationship is like now with your stepmom? For sure. Um, actually, since this process has all started, I've become very close with my stepmom. Um, we love each other very much. Um, this last Mother's Day, I actually sent a text to her saying, thank you for putting up with me as a kid. I can't imagine that was easy. Um, thank you for praying for me and not ever giving up. And uh, thank you, Mom and Dad, for showing me the way to live. Because even though I started feeding the right wolf, it, it takes, you have to know where to go. And if it wasn't for my Mom and Dad showing me where to go, how to live after getting past the hard part of, you know, getting out of addiction and off the streets. They showed me how to live. They showed me, go back to church and, you know, follow Jesus, make him 100% of your life and he will make you 100% of his life. And together you guys can do so much. So having my parents set that example at a young age was the game changer. So even though I went out on my own, fed the other wolf, did the dark thing for a while, I still knew how 
and where to come back. And with God pushing me and with the prayers from my friends and family, uh, it saved me. And nowadays you should see the friends that I have. It's a completely different friend set. Um, I'm going to church. I read my Bible every day. It's, it's been freeing. I feel like I have been washed and freed of everything that was holding me down. And I really pray that everyone that is stuck in a situation like this can feel this feeling of, of peace, of happiness, serenity, freedom. Um, I, now I don't have fear. I don't, I don't have fear because I have God. And fear, I, I never knew how much it controlled my life. It did, but now with God in my life and with everyone else in my life, my family, my new friends, my new job, everything, God has blessed me in more ways than I can count. So I would love to, you know, give that to other people too. And to my daughter, I want to show her the same life that was shown to me. That way she can be saved too. And I just, I hope that some, that people can find hope. Um, I made a YouTube channel called Ian's Channel of Hope because I just want people to have hope too. <laughs> That's beautiful. So we've come to our end of our time together and I thank you, Ian. I wonder if you could have a prayer for us as we closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for bringing us together today, Lord. I thank you so much for everything that you've done in each of our lives, Lord. And I pray that you can help the people that are out there suffering still, Lord. Show them your light. Show them your love. Show them the hope that's out there to be had, Lord. In a world of darkness, that's what we need. We need you more than ever. Lord, and please, please bless these people too. Um, Thank you so much for everything. And I just want to pray that you keep them safe and keep them healthy and keep them strong and keep bringing your word to the people, Lord. Thank you so much for this. And I ask you in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Ian, so much for coming to It Is Written Canada and for sharing your story. Thank you for having me, you guys. It's been a great time. <laughs> Friends. Freedom of choice is one of the most precious gifts God has entrusted to us. Unfortunately, we often make poor choices which may lead to destructive habits that enslave us, damage our health, and even ruin our lives. So our free offer for you is this special Steps to Christ Recovery Edition. This powerful book includes a 12-step recovery program empowering you to overcome harmful habits and addictions. Above all, you will come to know Jesus Christ, the only one who can heal and restore, strengthen and encourage as well as bring true balance and meaning to your life. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Before you go, we would also like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. 
And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs, including our cooking demonstrations, our short spiritual messages entitled Daily Living, and our exercise workouts called Experiencing Life. We want you to experience the truth found in the words of Jesus when He said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.